I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's just one of the best kept secrets in the military, in my, in my honest opinion. But they, um, it, you know, it comes down to the point that I, there's just a ton of pride there. Even though I only I was enlisted for four years, there's a ton of pride in that. And, you know, my Marine, I, I, I joke with a Marine buddy of mine, you know, they're saying is the few, the proud. You know, like the Coast Guard is fewer, the prouder, you know what I mean? Like, What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in today's episode, I speak with Chris Eddington, the founder and creator of Puddle Pirate. Chris is a former Coast Guardsman who decided that he was sick and tired of seeing brands misrepresent the Coast Guard with weird and crazy designs, designs that no one wants to wear and represent the Coast Guard with. So what do you do? Being a graphic designer, he decided that he was going to create his own brand as a way to pay homage to the history, folklore, and people of the United States Coast Guard. It's always great getting to sit down and chat with Chris. He's got so much going on, and he's a man that's always juggling something and, and doing a cool project, whether it's Puddle Pirate, his family, his full-time job. He's just a man of uh, many talents. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Along the Keel featuring Chris Eddington of Puddle Pirate. Right. So when you, I mean, when, when you were first starting out in graphic design, was this something that you've kind of found a passion for when like as a kid, like were you always sketching and drawing and, and doing something artistic? Yeah, I'd say that was, uh, that's pretty accurate. I, I doodled over everything. I, I wouldn't say, you know, my wife's a really good artist and uh, she paints and she does, uh, she's really good at anything that, I mean, she's an art teacher. And, um, but aside from that, she's a really oh, good right. painter yep. and everything. And I consider myself a doodler. I, I draw on anything and everything I can. <laughs> and it's always like the same characters. Um, but I was yep. always in, fascinated with like aesthetics and how things looked and um, organization and stuff like that. And that's kind of like where graphic design comes in. It's a lot more technical and less less yep. like uh, a, your traditional art form, you know. And so uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I think I took a liking to it. And no, I mean, as a kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do, you know, um, but growing Growing up, you know, I wanted to do the the Disney illustration type stuff, but you know that was a that was a pipe dream for somebody with my 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 right. uh, lack of talent in illustration. But they, <laughs> um, it wasn't until like after the Coast Guard, till uh, that I realized there was something that I might want to do, and so I checked it out. Yeah, so um, but here we are. I mean, yeah, it was it was a serendipitous uh, course of events that kind of took place and. Now I got a dream job being a creative director for a for a beer company, and yeah, and I have my own little side gig. Can't beat that. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned you came into you know growing up doodling and doing that thing, but you know from our conversation earlier, you had never really grown up on the water. Like it wasn't really a thing until you joined the Coast Guard. So. But I feel like there's there's a certain someone that kind of wants that adventure, yeah. you know, in life. So was that was adventure always kind of an underlying factor or a variable when you were kind of growing yeah, up absolutely. as well? That eventually led you to go to the Coast Guard. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of factors that led me in, into the Coast Guard. Um, that being one mm-hmm. of them, I definitely want to do some dif- something different. Something uh, I can. Uh, I think I'm a little more of a contrarian, and so I kind of wanted to do something. Mm-hmm 
none of my friends were doing. And um, aside from the fact mm. that I was an, an incredible student, I couldn't even have gone into the colleges I wanted to get into. Um, my yeah. my options were somewhat limited in that regard. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'd looked into the military and I, I, I uh, you know, gauged my my dad was a Marine. My mother's my mother's mm -hmm. father, my grandpa on my mom's side was a Marine. So I have a ton of reverence for Marines. And I, I was looking into that and um somehow or another came across the coast guard and realized i never even heard of the coast guard i mean growing up in raleigh <laughs> north carolina you know like we don't we don't have coast guard up there we have wilmington's about two hours away right. and they have coast guard there but even then it's not a lot mm -hmm. and so you know I, I did some more research as much as you can on the internet back in 2003 and um mm -hmm. you know took the steps and went and talked to a recruiter. Of course, the recruiter's job is to make everything sound peachy and rosy. And they did a damn good job of that. So, um, they, they sold did, you. Yeah, man, I, was, I was smart enough. I mean, like when you sign out, at least, at least back then you had the option of doing four or six years and they try to entice you okay. with, uh, with certain incentives, you know, higher rank and higher pay, uh, if you sign up mm -hmm. for six and luckily, well, I shouldn't say luckily I, I, I only did four years. Um, and, I say the reason I say luckily is because I knew my career goal wasn't to be in the Coast Guard. And so um, right. I did my four years, which was an incredible time. But I was I, I kind of felt like I wanted to do something else in my life in terms of, you know, career trajectory and stuff like that. Right. So when you were when you enlisted into the Coast Guard, what was your now? Is it an MOS? Is that what it is? Yeah, that we call them rates. It's, it's the same thing. OK, yeah, right. in our, you know, your yep. job and I was a bosun's mate which is your, your typical, mm -hmm. um, to dumb it down, it's, it's your deck hand, you know, uh, it, they take care of the deck, like the, the, the cosmetics of the ship. I was on a cutter. So, uh, for, for okay. anybody, like a cutter is just a ship, right. Um, and 378 is what I was on, which just means it was 378 feet long. And, uh, that's a big boat. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think we had about 180, uh, hands on deck. Um, it was, it was, and, yep. Yeah, it was a it was a good good sized ship. We went out for about two to three months at a time uh, for patrols, mm -hmm. and the uh, and then we were in port for about two to three months at a time. Uh, on my my whole time mm -hmm. there, I did ten patrols, um, and we were staying like I was on the Gallatin out of Charleston. But they, um, you know, our our mission on the Gallatin was uh, drug interdiction and. And mm -hmm. so we did that, you know, we went, we, we patrolled the Caribbean a lot and, uh, you know, looked for what we called, called narco terrorist. You know, I don't know if that was a, if that was a, a term they, they came up with to make it sound more official or less PC or more PC, but, uh, you know, they're mm -hmm. drug smugglers, you know, for, for, right. <laughs> for anybody, for the lay person, you know, but, uh, narco terrorist yeah. does sound pretty cool too, though. Um, we also did like migrant interdiction in between Cuba and uh, Key West, uh, mm -hmm. that 90 mile stretch there. But uh, yeah, I mean, 90 percent of our patrols were typically just uh, interdicting drug smugglers uh, in and around North. And what Columbia. was that like? I mean, when you when you find these guys, are you like, how does one find a drug smuggler? Are you yeah. going out and just patrolling around and they bump into you and you're like, ah, well, it, bad day to be a terrorist yeah that's a, that's a really good question there's a, a lot of factors that go into it a lot of it is um so we get intel from maybe other drug smuggler, mm -hmm. smugglers that we might have uh, apprehended one way or another e either our ship or maybe another ship or who knows 
they don't tell me where the intel comes from um <laughs> you know so they uh but we also <laughs> had a, a helo on board and so what would happen is you know twice a day the helo would take off and do um like scans of the area from from really mm -hmm. high up and see if they there was anything out there based off the intel we got you know there's certain patterns you could do like I mean, it's been, I've been out for so long now, I forgot the name of the patterns, but, but there's types of patterns you can do to like scan areas for, uh, you know, for any uh, persons of interest or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is, let's just say hypothetically, our, our helo spot somebody and they're in these things called, you know, banana boats, or at least they were, um, which are just like these long, skinny boats. They're like skips, yeah, exactly. right? Right, right, right. And so on top, yeah. you know, they'll have a, just jugs and jugs of gasoline and they'll hold all the the cocaine underneath the uh in the, in the hole <laughs> underneath the deck and i mean you're looking at 60 bales of cocaine and um it's a lot of times they'll try to throw them over uh when they're when they see that they're spotted but what will typically happen is the helo will then shoot out the engine so that makes them dead in the water Mm. And that will that will, yep. that will provide us uh, opportunity to come alongside and you know apprehend them, um, which was cool because when I was on board as a bosun's mate, there's a lot of secondary um, responsibilities and, and qualifications you can get. And I was a, a coxswain, which is the person who drives the small boats. And so mm -hmm. on the ship, you have two small boats. Um, typically, one is reserved for like LE missions and this was our, what we called our OTH, which is over the horizon. And, uh, you know, you, mm -hmm. we would lower that with our LA team on board, our boarding team, and uh, which is typically about four people. And then the coxswain, who's also a boarding team member, but I didn't do any boardings because I had to stay on the on the small boat. Yeah. I had to... Um, someone's someone's got to drive the thing. So we would, we would pull, <laughs> pull up alongside them. And, uh, I mean, honestly, everyone I was a part of, they were always compliant because they were busted. Yeah. And I think the big ship behind us had some intimidation factor um but you know they right we would arrest them we would bring them up on on the ship and honestly that was the last i ever like dealt with them after that it was like whatever right. legal system or someone else exactly exactly and uh but yeah, I mean, yeah it was awesome i mean like, i was like 21 doing that i just remember thinking like i can't believe they're letting a 21 year old do this you know what i mean like i, I think i got qualified at 20 <laughs> yeah. to 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 be a boarding team member in a, in a um in a coxswain but and then just thinking that that age you know like this is wild like i'm doing this and i didn't even grow up anywhere near the water you know it was, a, it was an awesome experience right. and opportunity and through it all I, I got about um i was a part of over 500 million dollars worth of um cocaine seizures Holy yeah crap. yeah yes yeah, it, it was pretty uh I mean, like you, you mentioned earlier about adventure, you know, it was pretty adventurous and, and it's hard to yeah. touch that type of uh, excitement, you know, outside of the Coast Guard. Yeah, well, it's certainly a unique excitement to have. I mean, not often do you see, you know, $100 million worth of cocaine on the deck of yeah. a boat and there's like a, a badass helicopter and you got machine guns and it's like, ah, yeah, I'm 20, I'm doing this. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh that's that's pretty wild is there an experience that kind of sticks out to you that maybe um that was like hmm 
Well, that's that's interesting. Maybe it was like a rescue you had to do, or some, one of those situations that you were yeah, in. Yeah, there's um, two that really stick out that I I typically tell when when it comes up you know, sea story time. You know, uh, <laughs> a bonfire. Yeah, yeah, one is uh, we were. This is actually during migrant interdiction in between Key West and uh, Cuba, and we we got reports that there was a slow moving boat. Uh, heading towards Cuba, and mm-hmm. what happened was uh, some Cuban Cuban migrants had stolen a boat, you know, taken it, taken it to Cuba, onboarded about thirty people, and I could be wrong on these numbers, but I recall it being about like these these migrant smugglers were getting about ten thousand dollars a head, and so I mean you 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 stack up Holy thirty crap. people on these boats, I mean it's to the brim, um, <laughs> and they're making a lot of money getting these people over overseas. And at the time, I think, I mean, this, this has since ended, but at the time we had this like wet foot, dry foot rule with Cuba. And I could, mm-hmm. again, uh, I could be off on the details a little bit, but uh, from what I understand, if they made it to America, they were able to stay. The, the, now, um, I think Cuba was the only country we had this with. I uh, very well could be wrong on that, but um so, so it was important that we were able to interdict them before they made it back over, you know, right. at least that being our mission. Um, this time they were heading back to Cuba to to onboard more migrants, but they they had uh, an engine failure. Only One engine was out. It was a dual engine boat. One engine was out and they were moving super slow. And we able we were to spot them. Uh, we lowered the boat mm-hmm. and we started chasing them, but they're only going like eight knots. And, <laughs> and they, uh, you know, yeah, like away. Two, so there's two people on board. We couldn't see their hands, and so we weren't sure if they had a firearm or anything like that. And um, we, so we had to be super cautious. And as the coxswain, while while we're out there, I'm in charge of the mission, at least on on premise. And um, mm-hmm. so we're asking them to stop in Spanish, yelling at them, and I always like equate it to like chasing somebody walking. You know what I mean? Like imagine like that's how slow <laughs> we were going, and like. It was kind of high. It was kind of high intensity, but at the same time, like we were just moving so slow, and so um, we had to ask for permission to do anything uh, evasive, I guess. You know, but we wanted to mm-hmm. um, kind of hit him with a less than lethal uh, shotgun rubber pellet, right? And so we had to ask the captain right. for that, and uh, you know, the captain had to ask the district in Florida for that. You know, like who I think had to like go up to DC and ask. So it was like this chain of command just to get mm-hmm. permission to do this. And so we finally get permission to do it and give the order to, to go ahead and shoot. And we got him in the, we got the driver like right in the ribs, fell to the deck, Oof. had to, yeah, had to have broken his ribs, but he falls to the deck and stands yeah. up and uh, in pain and they're still not stopping there. You know, we're trying, they're trying to ram us by the way, during this whole thing. And if we, if we try to pull yeah, up and get smart. close to them. And, uh, and so we had to ask permission again, we got it again. We shot him again, falls to the deck again. And then a third time, <laughs> uh, all that happens. Like, mind you, this is like over a period of like 30, 45 minutes. And we're right. Is this at night or during the day? This was actually during the day. Um, I feel like okay. early, yeah, early afternoon, I feel it being, yeah, pretty, uh, luckily the seas were somewhat calm and, you know, the rules were 
that you can only do it three times and then you have to resort to something else. So we were kind of out of options at this point. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot of pain. The other dude's not showing his hand and we just want, I don't want to make sure that he didn't have a gun. So luckily we, we thought of just taking the, one of our boat hooks and, and yanking on the fuel line mm-hmm. on the, uh, their lone engine, which would, which then they became dead in the water. And then it, uh, so you guys were that close and going that slow yeah. enough to get a boat hook yeah, yeah, yeah. to hook the, the fuel line. Is this, I'm assuming it's an outboard it, it, then because everything's yeah, exposed. Yeah, yeah, okay. it, was. Um, it, it, it came, it became clear to us then that they actually had a hole in their hole in their starboard quarter. So oh, we started no listening a little bit when, <laughs> when my boarding team was on and we had to get them off as quick as possible. I mean, like, and it was going quick. Because the only way they were staying afloat was the fact that they were moving. They were making way. Oh, they were going yeah, moving, so, yeah. So yep. once they stopped making way is the moment they started sinking. And, and there was just enough air in there that it didn't sink fully. So we had to, mm-hmm. I think we had to shoot it a couple times to get it to sink. But, um, yep. yeah, I mean, like, then they were on board. And that was, I mean, it was like a 45-minute wild <laughs> chase that really wasn't that fast. It was <laughs> the weirdest thing. But it, that was one of the more, like, yeah. memorable uh experiences and then, and then there was another time like where a freighter um sank in the middle of the ocean i had no idea where because we were in the middle of the ocean so i don't oh, know wow. relative to where we really were but we were in the caribbean somewhere but the freighter sank and 15 people on board um and one person went down with the ship another another person mm-hmm. we retrieved out of the water who had already passed but we did rescue the others. Um, so we didn't get all of them, mm. unfortunately. But that was a, another experience that was eye-opening because I was 19 and new to the ship at the time. And it was, um, mm-hmm. I, was a bo- I was a boat um, crewman. So I went out with a small boat and, and retrieved some of the people. And it was really a powerful moment because, I mean, they had been in the water for yeah. 18 hours. And the one, the guy Holy who did crap. die, like, succumbed to hypothermia, you know, even though it was like... I mean, even in 80 right. something degree water, you know, you're in water that long. So it was, yep. uh, it was, uh, yeah, like I said, eye opening, but yeah. yeah, no, that, that's all. I mean, having worked with a lot of coasties, you know, just given because, you know, I work on the water, a lot of ex coast guard or former coast guardsmen will come, you know, and, and join the, the, the maritime world, you know, in, in the civilian, sure. right. The civilian sure. side of things. So, um, you know, hearing those stories is very reminiscent of my friend Charlie back when I was working on in Hawaii and, and running boats out there. And every time I'd work with Charlie, I'd be like, all right, well, what's the story for today? Yeah. You know, I'd always pick his brain and poke him a little bit. And man, he had some great ones similar to you. Like, and it's now I'm having like flashbacks yeah. as, <laughs> as to what he was telling me. And some of them were a little gnarly. And then some of them were like, oh, that's like, you know, it's like a episode of qualified captain, oh, right, right. you know, like swiping through that. It's like, it's like listening to that and getting the backstory behind it. But, um, yeah, and it's funny, like, you know, my work with Sito in, in no way compares to the coast guard, but in some ways, you know, we work alongside you guys and, uh, you know, and, and help out with, you know, uh, boats that are sinking or, or, you know, assisting other people that are in, in need of, in need of help and distress yeah. out on the water. So having that connection and be able to kind of relate in that way has always been kind of a, a fun, uh, a fun round table conversation. Yeah. So when you kind of made this transition from, you know, you're obviously graphic design is a huge component of what you do now, but you, you leave the coast guard, mm-hmm. right? And what did that look like? Because, 
you know, a lot of people have this, this notion of you, you join the Coast Guard, you join the military, and then that's, that's kind of it, right? And then you either go career or you, you step out and you go and do something else. So what did that transition look like for <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So was it like a light last twitch? four months on the ship, I was um, the, I guess, the ship's little ancient mariner, meaning like I, I had those, I had been <laughs> on the ship longer than anybody else on the ship at, the mo- at that present time. Uh, I was on for like three yep. years and six months or something like that. Um, so I was, I say that because you get a lot of confidence, you know, being on a ship like that for so long, you know, everything you're qualified on everything. Now, now you're actually giving training to chiefs and, right. you know, high ranking officers and stuff like that. And, uh, and then you, then I leave the coast guard and I, and I waited tables and, you know, so right. you, now you're going to like, again, back to the bottom of the pit, you know, <laughs> and so it was a transition yeah. for sure. And it, it was, it was difficult because of the, we're sure the money aspect, the insurance aspect of it and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but I had a little bit of freedom back, you know, and so it kind of evened out for me at the time. I was 22, I think. Yeah. 22. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know I mean? I just uh, we had tables and went to school for graphic design and uh, at that because at mm-hmm. that time I did realize I was like I think this might be a career I want to get into so I checked it out went to Art Institute of Charleston I stayed in Charleston when I got mm-hmm. out and uh, you know did that for a little bit my roommate who was a one of my best buds from back home we used to jam out um, just one room I think like like eighty percent of guys do who have guitars you know just kind of jam out and yep. We both work at the same bar slash restaurant, and we're like, let's see if they'll let us, yep. you know, jam out there, and and uh, they did, and so we we moved our gig to the local watering hole like a couple weeks later, you know, um, and then we hit up another bar that we frequented a lot, and before you know it, we okay. were playing like twice a week, and and then the bar we worked at shut down, and when it shut down, we had racked up you know three to four gigs a week, and. Uh, Oh, at wow. That point, I was, so this is a legit band. Yeah, it was just two of us. But I mean, like, we were a bar <laughs> band, you know, and it, it dawned on right. us, uh, oh, this is our full-time job now. So it, then it moved from four to five gigs a week to seven to eight gigs a week. And well, let's do, you know, we were Holy doing crap. that for six years. I mean, even when I went, when, while I was in school, when I graduated and I got my first design job, I was still playing six, seven nights mm-hmm. a week. And uh, it was, it was an awesome time. I, now we'll say like we're a bar band. It's we weren't interested right. in you know cutting the record deal. With, you know we weren't even, we weren't even that really good. We were just good enough to play yeah, Nelly, yeah. Backstreet Boys. Uh, you know what I mean? Like people in the bars want to hear. So we were good enough for that. Right. You know, and it was uh, that was an awesome time for sure. But um, the yeah, I mean it, my. So this was a full-time thing. For yeah, me. yeah. The music was a was a full-time thing for me. The music right. was right. Well, I went to school. Okay. Yeah. Well, I went right. to school, and then yeah. the first uh, when it stopped being full-time was about a year or two into my design career when when I realized like I was burning mm-hmm. a candle at both ends because I mean you're playing from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. so you're getting home at 2 a.m. Right. and then waking up at six to go to work. You know, so. Um, Mm-hmm. Hootie and the Blowfish, seven days a night, you know, seven <laughs> right. days a week. Right, whatever it is, they want. Uh, it's that's tiring. what the crowd wants, that's what the crowd gets, you know. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it was funny. I was um, I had this conversation with a coach of mine last night, and we were uh, 
you know, we're talking about, there's this bar called the ocean yeah. mist down in Matunic. Cause I mean, you've been to, you've been to Rhode Island. I remember we yeah. talked about that a little bit. And, um, so if you go down Narragansett and just keep driving past it, go as South as you can go, there's this beach bar and it's literally on, you know, uh, pilings and it's right on the water. The ocean now breaks right under it. So you can hear yeah. the waves, you know, as you're sitting there and yeah, eating your awesome. dinner, or sitting at the bar. Yeah, it's a cool place, but you know, it's known for having music. So as you're describing this, I'm having flashbacks as of like ticket Tuesday in college and like going and, and sitting there and listening to the bands play. And we, we put on Hootie and the Blowfish last no, night. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're like, man, this would this sounds like a night at the ocean mist. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I'm just I'm putting that all together in my head. So you you now that your career is kind of you know going in this direction. You know, the you start to say, "All right, well, what's this next kind of thing?" Because you always seem like you got a couple plates spinning, right? Right. And now, when one kind of drops, you're the type of the guy that will pick up another one and start spinning yeah. it again, right? So, when you started creating Puddle Pirate, where did the where did this um like where did this come from? I mean, you were in the Coast yeah. Guard. Obviously, that's a huge component to what Puddle Pirate yeah. is, hence the name. Um, and I'd love for you to sure. explain that. Uh, but where did this transition come from? You know, a another transition. Yeah. Right? So uh, I didn't go to a traditional college, but I love sports, you know, and I have a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. I've always been envious of my friends that can kind of rep the, the NC States and the UNCs and the even App States and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, uh, and so I, I kind of needed that, like, part of my identity, like something that tied me to, like, pride if you will you know and a coat that was ghost guard for me right um and mm -hmm. so with that i i just wanted to sport some coast guard apparel or something coast guard you know something maybe that wasn't overly right. in your face you know coast guard and and so nothing like that really existed i, I showed you i showed you a few designs that exist <laughs> out there but they're like flaming skulls or burning like like this, oh they're horrible yeah, i mean like this it's just like um like this, what I felt was, and I told you this again, but this like this overcompensation of Coast Guard feeling like they yeah. don't get the respect, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> that is like an ongoing thing. If people want to argue whether they're not they're in the military or not, which is not a, an argument I even ever want to give the light of day to. But the um, right. <laughs> but it it kind of dawned on me that that really didn't exist. And when I was in college. I did my senior project on this like puddle pirate identity, right? Like, was it even a, a clothing brand at mm -hmm. the time? It was kind of like my um, fake design company, if you will. And I made these koozies, and these koozies like had this like little little illustration on it, like uh, a skull poking out its head out of the water. I don't know, it wasn't incredible, but I, I put it on some mm -hmm. koozies, and before I know it. By no means did it go viral, but I was seeing that people that I didn't even know were sharing it. You know what I mean? Oh, I, really? I had it on Facebook, yeah. and then a friend shared it, and then a friend of their friend shared it because it was like Puddle Pirate Coast Guard. There's this like this, you know, relationship right. there. And so I was like, that'd be kind of cool to have a brand called Puddle Pirate. You know, a year and two, and like so a year or two passed, and I still couldn't find any shirts that were you know really worth a damn in terms of like just the coolness mm -hmm. factor something yeah aware. and like yeah. like you said like um i just kind of wanted something to create like i just needed to create something you know i had this i had rawberry jam going which was the name of our duo 
you know, which is <laughs> that's an awesome thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's another beer another day on how we got to that. But that's a, <laughs> a fun story. But so I had Rawberry Jam going, which was something that, you know, we created me and my buddy. And then um, I had my mm-hmm. day job. But I just still felt like my creative uh, uh, like gap wasn't being filled yet. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. let me see right. what I got to do to create this brand puddle pirate and let me see if i can revive this and do something with it. maybe make a couple shirts and mm-hmm. so i had to uh it was funny listening to uh your sendero conversation i forgot the guy's name is it uh, uh hunter? yeah, yeah, yeah hunter. hunter yep and, and, yeah, Harlow, and he talks yeah. about he talks about uh the uh all the the hoops you got to jump through to start a business like the the copy like the trademark yeah. and the business plan and all that stuff and I mean, yep. yeah, I, I lived with that nightmare, you know, just wanting to sell a few T-shirts. And it's not that it's not that simple. You can't just make a couple T-shirts right. and put them online. So I had to do the whole trademark thing, get a lawyer for yep. that, because that was a weird thing. Do the LLC, do the business. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, of course, you know, the expenses just rack up. Because look, I'm thinking, I'm like, just maybe make 40 shirts and sell them. But like even starting the company right. was well over, <laughs> you know, a yeah, it's thousand, well over so, a grand. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> luckily, I did have a, a another good buddy of mine who wasn't even in the Coast Guard, who is um, uh, I, we were like, referred to him as like a silent partner. You know, he mm-hmm. he was at the house one day visiting from Wilmington, and uh, I was like, "Here's I got this going." You know, uh, you want to chip in? And I mean, like, no hesitation. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, what do I write? Sure. Like, who, who do I write the check to?" And he wrote a check and which really, was like awesome. you know roughly half of what we needed at the time to get our first uh four shirts out our llc and yeah you know what have you and uh yeah so we uh you know it's a partnership and you know he's he's done some things to help out for sure you know on the tax end and the, the more boring stuff that i really don't want to do you know like mm-hmm. or, or not good at yep but um <laughs> yeah and i and so we we got yeah four shirts going i designed them and yep put them out and they did pretty well and it's all kind of been a little a roller coaster ride from there yeah now do you think having that conversation with your friend um helped kind of validate what you were doing like it, it kind of gave you a little bit of faith as to you know whether or not you were really going to go full bore into this and really commit and put up that two grand and because i i mean i've i've gone through the same yeah. thing right when you when you when you're like oh i got this great idea let me try and you know put something together and then you do and then you're like all right well you know maybe i should make this legit so you buy a domain you get <laughs> you know social media handles and that's the easy stuff that's free you know or domains like 100 bucks right, right right but then when you then you go to the next step you're like all right llc lawyer you know, now I have an attorney. His name is Bill. Great guy. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, you know, that stuff starts to rack up. So having that partner is kind of like, do you think that helped you in a sense to say, all right, well, if someone else believes in this and I believe in this and my close friends and family believe in this, then I can make the next step. Yeah. It was a huge part. Cause I, I had never done anything like it before, you know, like I knew what I wanted, but mm-hmm. then again, I don't, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody out there in the coast guard. So I was like, well, because I mean, right. cool is subjective. So what I think is cool yeah, may not be the same thing. So, um, like having, you know, having him jump on board with no hesitation was huge. I have a, I have really good friends in the coast guard that I spoke to that kind of got their, t- like their mm-hmm. two cents about it. And they were all on board, thought it was cool. And, and, uh, I mean, it yeah. was a, 
it, it was interesting at first because, like you mentioned earlier, the term puddle pirate. <laughs> okay, we'll just touch on the name <laughs> real quick. Um, for those who don't know, puddle pirate is like a uh, it's a term of uh, endearment, if you will, <laughs> to, for yeah. coast for coasties. <laughs> Rather derogatory. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> For, for coasties and most of the coasties who don't take themselves too seriously uh kind of enjoy it you know enjoy that term i mean yeah i look at it just like the navy's the squid the squid for navy or jarhead for marines you mm -hmm. know chair force for air force and um grunt if you will for army you know so and there's multiple mm -hmm. there's just there's a lot of other ones you know too so i do find i did find like starting the company a lot of the uh old guard if you like the the just the older gentlemen who have served in the Coast Guard. Yeah. We're not huge fans of the name. So that, um, that, that was, I thought it might be discouraging if that was to ever come up and be a problem. But luckily, 95% of people that comment on a name is positive. So um, we just mm -hmm. kind of rolled with it. I mean, I, I personally do not take myself seriously at all. And so <laughs> I thought it was a fun name and uh, just to kind of, Turn like use a use a twist on on that that derogatory nature, you know. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, the, what some of our best selling products are the ones that just stay puddle pirate on them, you know. Um, yep. And so that tells me something. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, going and 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 looking at your kind of styling, right? And you have a very distinct style, and and it plays true to, you know, really what. The Coast Guard kind of stands for. Now, when you go ahead and make a design, is this design, you know, you, you also mentioned cool is subjective, yeah. right? Like what I think is cool, you go like, hey, is this cool? Yeah, it's kind of cool. What about <laughs> you? You think this is cool? Yeah. yeah, I guess it's cool. Now, when you go ahead and make a design, what's kind of the thought process behind that? Because, you know, a lot of your designs kind of connect to a certain aspect of yeah. the Coast Guard. You know, like we mentioned the 41, yeah, yeah. right? Paying homage to the UTB 41, which I was actually on my, um, the 41 that I run this morning. And I, I love that. Yeah. boat. It's a great boat. It's just it's fun to run. It's it's pretty quick for the size. And it's just a workhorse. You know, it's one of those boats that you can hop on. And it does everything, you know, so. And I think a lot of people feel that yeah. way, right? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like what Fenway Park is to the Red Sox, sure. right? It's yeah. like that. That's a good analogy. You know what I mean? So what do you think, you know, when you go ahead and make a design and paying homage to certain aspects of the of the Coast Guard, like what's your process and what does that look like for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, the irony of it is here I, I made this 41 shirt. And I got all the specs and everything like that. And you have spent more time on a 41 than I have, you know, just because of my limited time <laughs> in the Coast Guard and, and 41s are station based. Um, and I was never uh, stationed at a land unit. I um, never mm -hmm. got the experience of actually riding on one. But I do know like the folklore of them and, and the, the reverence for them within the, you know, the Coast Guard community. And when they were, you know, retiring them, I knew it was a big deal. I still had friends in the Coast Guard. At the time, too, who were just like, you know, this is you know, this is happening. It would be kind of cool to see a shirt. And so a lot of a lot of times mm -hmm. to answer your question, stuff like that and stuff like the Centennial uh, Chiefs shirt that we did last year. It, it comes from my my friends that are still in the Coast Guard. because like I've just been so, mm -hmm. so far removed, unfortunately, that I, I try to keep up with it. And, you know, as much as I can from being 
outside looking in. Um, but I have to go off of like my friends that are still in or, or that had just recently got out to kind of keep my, uh, my, my finger on the pulse for a lot of that stuff. Um, mm. I enjoy doing that type of stuff. That's pretty cool. Especially since I'm not involved with the day-to-day coast guard. Uh, but what I really love is the history of it. The history of the coast guard mm. is something that was a big factor in me starting the brand altogether because I thought the the history was you know, pretty gnarly and there was just, I mean, just nothing existed with any of it. You know, the, uh, Douglas right. Monroe is, you know, our only Medal of Honor recipient. And you can't find a cool shirt with, you know, that on it, you know, with him on it or Joshua mm-hmm. James, another guy who probably deserves his his own podcast. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. there's just like so much cool, rich history in the Coast Guard that never gets touched on. And uh, that was yeah. something that I really wanted to do. We even did a shirt for Pea Island, which was an all black um life-saving station in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Really? Where was that? Outer Banks of North Carolina. Oh. And they, they got a lot of huh. awesome like stories just out of that uh, tidbit there. But it's just a, there's just a lot of really cool stuff that, that that's happened in, in the Coast Guard's history, which I don't think gets a lot of um, recognition, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the type of stuff I like to do, do uh, shirts for. And you know, some some sell really well. You know, we did uh, the the Joshua James sh- you know shirt sold sold out, and you know re up that here in a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. you mind if I ask who who he is? Not yeah. you're not really knowing who he yeah, is. Yeah, so he was a, uh, a station keeper back in um, oh man, you know, I can't a long time ago. <laughs> you know, back, yeah, in like, back, back in the day, <laughs> back when like he might have had. Four portraits of himself that that exist um but yeah. yeah i mean like he's just he's attributed like to saving like hundreds and hundreds of lives and he started when he was 15 mm-hmm. to the day he died and i think of his 70s and uh if you ever look at the picture of him like he's just this really gnarly looking like nautical looking dude with big bushy <laughs> beard and tons of medals he is yeah salt. exactly right yeah. right right tons of medals and just the type of uh like when you think of that time period and that like the the heroic efforts that these guys just just to go take a boat out into a storm to rescue people and over and over mm-hmm. again like like uh it's just a really cool story and yeah i mean like you don't really hear about him much and the coast guard community definitely knows right. about joshua james especially in boot camp you, you know they teach you history and they touch on him some but mm-hmm. like uh but man i think he does like and there's like there's ships named after him and there's, you know, mm-hmm. buildings on, on Coast Guard training centers and stuff like that named after him. So, so certainly he's not forgotten, you know what I mean? People certainly uh, do pay respects in a lot of different forms, but like in, to re- in regards to like some, some cool merchandises, there just wasn't a ton of that out there. Right. You know what I always found interesting in, in, you know, you talking about kind of the old school guys is like, <laughs> I always have this conversation with some of my fellow coworkers or people that I know that are in the community. It's like, could you imagine going out into a storm or even out into the fog, you know, mind you, like 50 years ago, yeah. right? 60 years, 100 years ago, you know, when you're on a wooden ship and you're just kind of pointing where you got to yeah. go thinking, ah, there's nothing in front of me, right? Or you go out into a storm, like um, the, the famous story of uh, the finest hour. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. Where... 
that's a great story where I think it was like a T2 and a T3 tank, yeah, right? Split, split in half. half off the coast of Nantucket. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. So to, to have the balls to say, yeah, we're going out. Yeah. Yep. And we have no radar. There's no, no GPS. There's no Loran. There's no electronic anything. And you're just hoping that you're going to point in the right direction with your yeah. compass. And then all of a sudden your compass gets blown off the boat. And you have a boatload full of victims that you need to bring back to shore. And you just so happen to, you know, make your way back. Yeah. That's an incredible story. I, but as someone who's a captain and I'm like, oh, shit, my radar's not working. I don't know if I want to go out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the navigation alone is uh, would be a nightmare. Like the fact that you have to tack on the, it was, in that particular story, it was freezing. You know, like it was. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And weather out there on the water is not like it is on land <laughs> i mean that, that wind is no. a lot chillier the water like just the the sea spray coming up will, will get you man and like yeah. that that that's enough to turn people around but yeah like you said i mean yeah. you, th- you throw everything else out the window and all you got from is a boat and uh your instincts and you know fingers crossed yeah, and some big cojones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you got You can't have small ones if you're doing that. No, yeah. <laughs> so I love how I love how you integrate the history, and I'm kind of I'm a big history buff, so I, I I can definitely relate to that side of things. And you know, here in Narragansett Bay, we have tons of history, especially yeah. a lot of you know maritime and nautical from hell, even the lighthouses, right? I mean, every lighthouse has its own story, and every you know, life-saving situation has its own story too. So seeing that you kind of integrate that in is, uh, you know, it shows that you're being really authentic to the Coast Guard, but also being authentic to yourself too. Because, you know, like you mentioned before, it's it's the creation of Puddle Pirate is what you think is great, cool, right? And to have other people kind of get behind you and be like, yeah, I can agree with that and, and buy a t-shirt and support, I, I think is awesome. So when you're, after you design a shirt and get everything set up, you know, what's kind of the nitty gritty like logistics of this? Because you're a full-time designer, right? So, you know, you're not sitting around all day with the ability to go ahead and pack tons and tons oh, of orders. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we talked a little about this in terms of like the actual business side of how you're running this and, and how you're going about balancing and, and spinning all of those, you know, those dishes. Right. So how do you go about that? Yeah. So as far as like logistics, so, I mean, um, back in the day, the orders were come through and I was able to kind of fulfill them all. And I actually used to, uh, mm-hmm. put, I used to write a handwritten note on every order and the tags that I used to attach mm-hmm. to the shirts were a uh, labor of love too. I mean, it was like, I, I would take manila tags, Dip them in coffee, mm-hmm. uh, let them dry out, then bake them, and then and then stamp really? them. I mean, because it, it, it made it look super old, and uh, got a lot of cool feedback yeah. on that. People really enjoyed it, but it just became like like it was one of those bittersweet instances, like where the orders just ramped up, and I just didn't have the uh, bandwidth to do that stuff yeah. anymore. And uh, so I had to stop doing that. And like I said, like the orders, you know, were pretty consistent. I was able to kind of keep fulfilling them and everything. I ended up. Um, moving mm-hmm. from Charleston to Pittsburgh with my family mm-hmm. and I kept it going. Uh, all the fulfillment still out of my garage. Everything was gravy. And it, it, and then it got to a point just where I just couldn't do it anymore. Like 90% of the time that I set aside for Puddle Pirate was me packing orders. And so, um, right. let alone, I mean, I sure as hell didn't have time to write notes anymore or make it, make those custom tags. And so I felt like, mm-hmm. 
I, I couldn't do any marketing. I couldn't start. I couldn't think about new designs. I couldn't do any like social media. Like that was kind of falling by the wayside. A lot of the stuff was just falling. Those those plates were falling, if you will, you know, and, and crashing right. hard. And so I had to figure something else out. And uh, and fortunately, a buddy of mine who runs another military uh, brand, Sibby Supply, mm-hmm. um, he used a fulfillment company out of Charleston called Nice Commerce, and they. You know, I, I met up with them and talked about what it would take. Everything looked great, you know, from a logistics standpoint. I just had to pretty much ship, ship like ship my goods to them. And they took it from there, right. you know, it, and it's it's been a huge um, time saving uh, move for me because now I can actually I see an order come through, and I'm mm-hmm. I don't I don't have to worry about it, you know, like I, I'm able to. Right. Just, relish in the fact that i just sold a hat <laughs> you know what i mean instead of <laughs> instead of like we can celebrate and not right, do anything back in the, like back in the day it was uh I, i'd see an order come through i see two orders and three orders and four oh, orders gosh. and then like i'm like there goes my knife you know now i gotta pack Crap. up all this stuff right. and I, when i really should be excited that i made all these sales you know and uh mm-hmm. yeah so i mean it was a it was a i've been able to almost double double my growth based off of that move alone you know so it was mm-hmm. a um so if anybody listening out there is on the fence about their stuff, I mean, if they're fulfilling all the time, I would say I would look and do a 3PL for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. And having that time just to be able to double down on what's important, you know, yeah. and that's branding and that's, you know, building and, and, and working on your company and not in your company, right. but also having the ability to be authentic, you know, and, and continue, you know, researching great stories and, and sharing with people and collaborating with other brands and connecting with, with Coasties and not feeling overwhelmed that, you know, crap, I got 10 orders I got to pack yeah. tonight. And, you know, you got a wife and kids and another job and it's like, ah, this isn't going to happen, you know? Um, so, you know, moving forward as puddle pirate continues to evolve and grow, what do you kind of see it? Where do you kind of see it going? Like, where's this, where's this movement going? Are you trying to become like the next maybe quote unquote grunt style or, you know, nine line and kind of false follow suit with them? Or is this, um, you know, something. A yeah. Different. Yeah. Really good question. Uh, what I've, I've, I've pondered for many years now on exactly what I want to do with mm-hmm. this, you know, it's. Uh, when I started it, um, you know, we start. I started with four shirts, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it and see where it went. But like now, it's just I, I'm even the the small success that I've had, and it has, and it is a small success when you, it, it, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. to other companies like you just mentioned, Grunt, Grunt Style and uh, Nine Line. Um, I'm still bl- like blown away that people just want to buy these, this stuff. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But in terms of like, do I want to be the next company like that? I mean, that'd be that'd be cool. But if I'm being honest with myself, I think I would just let it go before it got that big, man. Um, because mm. it is a passion of mine, like the company is. And whether or not I make four bucks, whether I'm, I make four million bucks, like it's at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. I, it's nice like having my little baby that I get to mold and do what I want to with it. You know, right. I could. You know, but I want to I want to keep it authentic and real, and I want to keep it catered to the Coast Guard, and which alone, I mean, being the smallest service, you know, I don't I think would restrict mm-hmm. it from ever getting the size of Nine Line, you know, but um, but yeah, I mean, like it's kind of it's kind of to that point where the moment I start losing control over anything, 
is the moment I I, mm. I kind of want to give it up, you know, because I do. Uh, I mean, being a designer by day and working, you know, with the company I work work with, um, is, I mean, I love it. I love every bit of it. And it's like, like mm. I said, like having that having Puddle Pirate as this uh, my little baby that I can do what I want want with it and kind of take suggestions from people and either run with it or not run with it, you know, like it, it, it's my, it's yeah. my call, you know, but um, yeah, I, yeah, it'd be cool if it got bigger, but I don't know if I mm -hmm. ever wanted to get to a point like where now like we have a board of directors, you know, and like we have, yeah, you yeah. know, no one wants that, you know, so <laughs> yeah. true. And so, um, I mean, and that's just, and that may sound like, uh, like copping out or something like that, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird feeling for sure like when i when i start thinking mm -hmm. about it and it's like do i how much money should i invest in this to like grow it you know um right because like i mentioned earlier man i'm out of the coast guard and and i don't want to be i don't want to be fake you know i don't want to start mm -hmm. hiring a, 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 you know a team of people where i'm the only coast team Who's never yeah, I, you know? yeah right and so right, it's this yeah. weird really weird dynamic when i start thinking of that type of growth and um mm -hmm. you know i just uh, I just put my feelers out there to, to to my my contacts and even some people, some friends that I'm uh, some people I made friends with, you know, just through the company, through Instagram and uh, Facebook and uh, get right. their suggestions on, you know, the, the next the next line of stuff, you know. Yeah. And what's been kind of the importance of, you know, you, you mentioned right there that you wouldn't want to hire or not that you wouldn't, but you want to try and keep it as close to the Coast Guard family as possible, yeah. right? And and having that distinction and, and not being the only Coast to work in your in, on Puddle Pirate, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but that also speaks true to like your the importance of the Coast Guard to Puddle Pirate and to you. And obviously, it's a brand built around Puddle Pirate, but there's something a little bit, uh, you know, more more of a connection there, right? Yeah, you know I mean the coast guard as a, as a family and as a, as a group of people, um, you know, it's a special club that you're either in it or you're not, there's, there's really no way around it. You know, like if you're sitting in a bar and you, you know, that someone's wearing a puddle pirate, you know, shirt, you know, that they were probably in the coast yeah. guard, right. Or had a close friend or, or a family member that was, what is that, you know, what does that kind of feel to you? Like when you see, yeah. when you see other coasties wearing your stuff and being a part of this, you know, family that's kind of within, within its own. Yeah, no, I'm glad you touched on that. Um, coasties don't get a lot of love, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's an mm -hmm. ongoing joke with me and my other service buddies who are, who are, you know, who are Marines and army and stuff like that. You know, it's always, they always seem mm -hmm. to be the butt of the joke, but it's, I, <laughs> I mean, honestly, the stuff that we did, we, we, I'm sorry, the stuff that Coast Guard does. And the stuff that I was able to do is, I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's just one of the best kept secrets in the military, in my, in my honest opinion. Mm -hmm. But they, um, it, you know, it comes down to the point that I, there's just a ton of pride there. Even though I only, I was enlisted for four years, there's a mm -hmm. ton of pride in that. And, you know, my Marine, I, I, I joke with a Marine buddy of mine, you know, they're saying is the few, the proud. You know, like the Coast Guard mm -hmm. is the fewer, the prouder. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like I kind of, that's yeah. how I feel about it. I'm like, we, you guys have like, you know, yeah. a quarter of a million, a half a million, you know, Marines. Like we're, gosh, when right. I was then, 
we were rolling with like 35,000 and enlisted, you know? And, um, yeah, it's smaller than like the New right, York right, police right, department. Right. And, and there's a lot of fun little facts yeah. like that, like that they're, they're smaller than, and, and it's just that like, there's so few that like when you do spot somebody who was in, yeah, that pride is there. And so that's, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to start puddle pirate. And like, I think people, I think that's what has harnessed a little bit of the success that it's, you know, has gotten is the fact that people are like, Oh shit, like this branding, there's a brand like just for coast guard, you know? Right. And I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, I think that a lot of those, a lot of those um, military brands out there that are very successful, I think kind of touch on a lot of different services, which is great and a really smart business model, <laughs> you know, but, uh, right. you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to, you know, being authentic, like I said, I mean, I wasn't in the Marines, I wasn't in the air force. I can't, I can't make those shirts mm-hmm. and I, I, I would feel fake doing that. And so, right. Uh, it, at the end of the day, it, it boils down to just like so much pride, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, before, um, you know, I guess this is a very, before we bring the ship into yeah. port, right? That's <laughs> yeah. relatively appropriate. Yeah. Um, where can people learn more about Puddle Pirate? Where can they get involved? Like, how can they go and buy a shirt and, and start following and, and, and kind of Yeah, uh, PuddlePirateGear.com is the URL. Um, mm-hmm. A really quick anecdote on that. So when I was starting the company, uh, PuddlePirate.com was taken. I, I reached out with a very friendly email to the person who owns it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> He he threw a number at me that was uh, well into the five digits, and and I was Jesus. like, I don't want, I don't understand. You know, like I can get PuddlePirate.co or PuddlePirate Shop or PuddlePirate something else for three dollars mm-hmm. a month. Why am I gonna pay you know thirty grand or twenty grand for for that? You know, right? And uh, it, it, obviously he wasn't budging. I wasn't budging, and so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll just yeah. roll with a, a, something else and. I don't think that's hindered. Yep. I think now that nowadays with, with search engines, I don't think it really matters a ton, but, um, but yeah, right. so pull apart gear.com. And we currently have a, uh, a fundraiser going on for, with, with uh, coast guard aviation that, um, oh, cool. that we're raising money for the fallen heroes fund for the coast guard foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the, the aviation side of the coast guard is kind of putting on this workout to remember. Uh, it's like a workout of the day type mm-hmm. thing. And, uh, you know, we, we sell puddle power exclusively sells the shirts to it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 100% of the proceeds go to the Coast Guard Foundation, uh, for their, for their oh, fallen awesome. heroes fund. And, and it's, um, we didn't touch on this a lot, but that's actually been a really cool opportunity that I've been able to work with them mm. for the last, uh, three or four years. And I mean, we raised, I mean, we've raised around 10 or $12,000 for it. So it's kind of a, a really, wow, cool, that's incredible, really cool opportunity for that. And, uh, and just working mm-hmm. with uh, the aviation side of working with uh, work with the Coast Guard hockey uh, team. And it, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's really opened up a lot of different doors that otherwise, you know, I would have had zero business to do <laughs> to do with, you know. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Chris, you know, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for taking the yeah, time. Yeah, thanks for having was, me, man. Uh, I had fun. a great conversation. This yeah. was fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you awesome. on the next one. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Along the Keel. It was great having Chris on to talk all about his time in the Coast Guard, his time creating Puddle Pirate, and the ins and outs and idiosyncrasies that you learn and things that you just kind of pick up along the way as you create a brand. So, you know, one thing that I want to take away from this episode was how Chris thought about authenticity 
and how it affects a brand and what he will and will not do. You know, I found that to be very interesting because, you know, in a world where everyone's looking to Instagram, everyone's looking for the next next best thing and companies are constantly shifting and, and looking towards, you know, making that quick buck. Chris is always stuck to the tried and true, you know, Coast Guard, trying to pay homage to them, put them at the for- forefront, but also doing something that he thinks is cool. And I think that's a really important concept to, to really ring home is doing something that you think is cool and just doing it rather than, you know, questioning and asking other people, you know, what their thoughts are. It's like, no, you just got to do you. And I, I, that's what I took away from our conversation today. And not to mention the great sea stories that he told as well. So I really hope you guys enjoy that episode of the show. Make sure to stick around for next week's episode and we will catch you on the flippity flop. But as always, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. Those are super important, especially if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down, hit the five stars, write something nice if you want to. It means a lot. Also, check out our website. Head on over to the newsletter at alongthekeel.com. we got some great things coming for 2021. I'm super stoked, super excited. And uh, yeah, remember to work hard, do good, be incredible. And we'll catch you on the next episode.